0: Three, four... The Common Counterpart. Welcome back to The Common Counterpart. I am your host, Mark. <laughs> and I'm Josh. And Josh, we are underpaid.
1: Yeah, uh, we're, we're tapping into the, uh, the pulse of the globe. Or the pulse is tapping into us. It's possible. I uh, I know that my 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 smartphone is listening, and I think my smartphone is taking content from here directly to global news agencies.
0: I thought you downgraded to a beeper to prevent this uh, from happening.
1: I'm not gonna lie. I'm about ready to go to a jitterbug. A jitterbug. Yeah. I don't. I just a little flip phone. Little click click. Just one function. No more smartphones. It yeah. would match your tin hat. You feel better about life. I got a couple of them. Yeah, it's a fedora, it's a tinfoil fedora. It's super cute.
0: Yeah, we, um, it's just weird how the world works, uh-huh. how when we're talking about something, but that is the it is one of the benefits, and we've already done it once, right? So, mm-hmm. for those, just kind of recap, we did a story on chocolate, yeah, um, and the farming of cacao in the Ivory Coast, yeah, in Ghana, in Ghana, yeah. and then it wasn't but a week later, there was a lawsuit.
1: Right. And Ghana's president, I think, standing before Switzerland royalty. Yeah, the parliament or whatever parliament, it is. Pretty much said, nah, yeah, we're not selling our cacao to you guys no more. So that's the newest addition. So we had the kids, right,
0: those six kids mm-hmm. that filed suit. That was one in which someone was stealing our story. Mm-hmm. Now we have them stealing again as clearly the government of Ghana. Listen to our Listens plea. to the, the common counterpart. It's one of the... We need to check our demographics to see if there's a listener in Ghana.
1: Absolutely.
0: But it is incredible, right? This is a huge step. This is a mm-hmm. big deal. And some of it is probably a little bit of um, posturing and how much teeth is it going to have when the buck really stops and you need to get paid. But it is a... It's much larger than just someone filing suit or a social media post. This is the government recognizing what's taking place Mm -hmm. and trying to take a stand against it, which
1: is so cool. Well, and, you know, the thing that I've always liked about the Internet is it democratizes information. So I don't have to wait for CNN to filter and edit the information they think I should have access to. So whether it's you and I talking about this or it's something on Vox or another, you know, media site, people now have access to more information today than they've ever had before. And I love seeing uh a small little quote unquote insignificant country like Ghana saying we're not gonna be exploited anymore.
0: Yeah, like we're done. We've had enough. Yeah. Like and I and I think that it is maybe starting to gain a little bit of traction. And I just recently saw a couple of days ago that CNN has posted um, a couple of more kind of awakening stories. It was in um, the cosmetic industry, a little bit different, but still this idea of childhood slavery um, and the exploitation of the workers. And it's just really exciting. It, it shouldn't be exciting because it shouldn't be happening, right? right? We're, we're applauding, I don't know, the basic humanitarian respect.
1: Yeah, that we I probably mean, should have been giving uh, a long time ago. Basic Judeo-Christian <laughs> values.
0: We should have been doing this a long time ago, but it is great that we are starting to see some change. Mm-hmm. So that is the latest yeah. in sort of the ongoing uh, chocolate saga that is somewhat the unofficial sort of theme of this podcast. You
1: don't think that there's someone in high-ranking government offices saying, Mark and Josh better keep their their mouths shut because they're ruining a g- I feel like I'm the— uh, I'm like the Scooby Doo gang.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but we also could get a knock on the door and just get taken to the back black, of a van.
1: Black bag. Yeah. It could
0: just be really, really bad. But that's exciting. Um, we are really going to try and make an effort to um, keep track of the stories that we cover and provide updates and insights for people because I, we know, right, that not everybody has the time, uh, the capacity, or even just the willingness to go mm-hmm. out and research all of these things all mm-hmm. the time. But it is kind of a part of our jobs. A little bit, right. so I think we're a little bit more connected than, um, you know, normal people really can yeah. be. So yeah, we'll keep it, keep you updated yeah. on that. It's yeah. exciting.
1: It is, you know, it, uh, I I told you about a, a a former student of ours and now current friend uh, who who found me at one of my my spots I like to hang out at, and uh, uh, Adam. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, he's yeah. just like I, I'm usually not into the sort of the educational uh, uh, podcast usually business and finance, but he was just loving what we're doing. Um, and so I, but I think it's real, Mark. I think that people, they, they realize that we're talking about humanity, we're talking about dignity, we're talking about giving honest people an opportunity to make an honest dollar with the resources of, of their land and of their hand. And so I'm really excited to see that Ghana's taking a step forward. I love knowing that uh, uh, decent governments around the world are doing something to shut down uh, the, 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 trafficking and, uh, uh, human slavery because it's just not right.
0: Yeah. it's just the system that's in play. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sure it will not be the last time that we visit something like this, but, no. um, for everybody who did kind of reach out about that particular episode, I thank you. Yes, uh, super appreciative. Love hearing about it. Um, uh, if you catch us in public for sure, continue to let us know. Awesome stuff.
1: Yeah. We, we would love to have a little paparazzi if, uh, if, 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 if I mean, can you, can you imagine seeing me on the, on the cover? I definitely could. With my aviators on? Just looking yeah. <laughs> like
0: you have the, all the secrets of the world. That's right before you get put in the van.
1: Well, with my aluminum fedora. It stands out. It's worth it. it stands, out. It. Yeah, it stands it.
0: out. Yeah. So what do we got today? Well,
1: you know, uh, it's a big world, right? And uh, we, we, we had a great time talking about Africa, and I'm, I'm hoping that conversation and topics take us all over the world. But uh, South America... Ooh, switching yeah. it up. Uh, you know that there is a continent that everybody, when you're looking at the map, uh, you're like, "Where, where would I want to go if I went on vacation?" And uh, South America does not get a ton of love. What um, do you think that is? You think geographically, just the eye doesn't
0: lend itself there?
1: Well, uh, y- the globe is Eurocentric.
0: Yeah, most images yes, of the globe. So will Europe have is Europe central. Right
1: in the uh America Europe, Asia it's all northern hemisphere uh what what's the old uh, uh if your name's above the newspaper fold, <laughs> I kind of feel like the equator's the the fold that's where you want to be yeah, so South America and Africa, uh, and even Australia, we don't really pay a whole lot of attention to Australia,
0: yeah, depending on the version of the map that you're looking at in terms of how it was printed it yeah. it, it, it is not put in the limelight
1: no, but uh the thing that i'm 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 digging about uh, uh South America. Is so, in some, I'm, I'm doing the environmental science class, but I'm also doing AP biology. And we're in the sort of evolution unit. And there's a short little content where we're talking about how humans migrated through the globe, right? And for those people who don't, you know, obviously the, the continents were connected at one point, and there was Pangaea and uh, Laurasia and Gondawandaland, which is one of my most favorite science words.
0: Gondawanda land. Gondawanda
1: land yes. I, I
0: don't touch that in the curriculum.
1: <laughs> I love Gondawanda land. That's fantastic. Um, but when you look at human migration, um, the common belief is, is uh, humans came out of Africa, moved up into the Middle East. Some went west into Europe. Some went into Asia, the, down into the Middle East. Um, And then, because of that land bridge, uh, they went across Asia, China, into Alaska, through North America, down through Mexico, Central America, and the last evidence of migration is South America. And it's kind of like the cul de sac; (laughs) you just got to the end, and you're like, "Well, I guess we're... I guess we're here. I guess we're at the end." Yeah, I mean, when when you consider, you know, uh, yeah, because. I've never been to South America, have you. I have not. Okay, no, not you've yet. Done, you've done some. I some want to south of the border. Yeah. excursions. Yeah, okay. Mexico
0: and then Honduras. That's right. Um, but that's as far down as I've gone. Okay. I I definitely want to go to South America. It's. I think the other thing too is that it is farther than people think. Yeah. I mean, you kind of look, and I, I. I always have this sort of, and again, it's the way one of the ways that maps lie to us in terms of how these things are spaced. You, I look at a map and I'm like, oh, Brazil can't be more than like three hours, four hours away. Right. Right. I mean, it's just right there. Like that little Central America and then boom, you're in South America. But it's pretty far. Yeah. So when you talk about people migrating and walking down there, I love to do like the cartoon, like just literally imagining them walking. Yes. Like just in like a couple days. <laughs> yeah. Like you just keep going. Yeah. But it's, it takes so long to travel through South America. Um, my sister-in-law and her boyfriend did like a huge excursion where Uh they went all the way through Central and South America, and it it took them months, but it was great. There's just a lot going on down there.
1: Yeah, and it's not, from from what I gather, it's not, again, we comment about how it's typical for for Americans to sort of homogenize a continent. You know, you can't look at Africa as it's one one people because it's just, there's such a diversity. South America is kind of the same way, but geographically, it is just a hodgepodge of super-steep, high mountains where uh, uh, these people have learned to live with elevation sickness <laughs> their entire life. Yeah, their, it shouldn't be possible. Their blood is yeah, their blood o- holds on to oxygen differently than ours does, um, which are the deep valleys, to the deep valleys, to uh, uh, ju- ra- rainforests full of pathogens and viruses and bacteria that would kill. Anybody that came out of a a modern city. Us, for sure. For sure. We would not last two days. No. No, And and, you know, it's funny because I, you know, reading the Old Testament, sometimes they talk about the Garden of Eden and how, oh, I'd love to live in the Garden of Eden. I don't think you would. (laughs) I mean, you take the bugs out. Yeah. And and the snakes and the scorpions and and the pathogens, and yeah, maybe, but with all those critters in the garden, in, in, in the Amazon? It's chaos. Yeah, you don't want that. No. I don't want that. I, I don't think you
0: make your way out.
1: No. Of that. No, but it's so romantic, right?
0: It does sound cool. Yeah. I mean, I here's what here's what I think. I think people get like Jungle Book vibes, mm-hmm. sort of. When you think about you know South America rainforests, mm-hmm. you, you know you sort of just get this idea that like all the trees are palm trees, right? right. Sort of, and they just mm-hmm. kind of all look the same. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like a really cool river that you could uh, build a boat with, you know, logs. And tie them together yourself and just kind of make your way down with a stick. And, and the indigenous people are they're waving. Be, they're, they're more than happy to see you. They're waving. It's such a Disneyland
1: it fantasy. Is.
0: It's, it's crazy how much media can really inspire that. Mm-hmm. But I, I love the idea of South America uh, yeah. because you're right. It, it does not get enough attention because it's kind of the middle child. Yeah. And as you look at the world in terms of development, and by that, I mean, it's just kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have it's so easy to go to the polar extremes. Right. You look at these countries that are you, you look at areas like Singapore. Right. That are just changing and, and uh, innovating every day. And then you go to the other side and you're like, yeah. And then there's, mm-hmm. you know, Angola or anywhere really mm-hmm. sub-Saharan Africa. But there, there's that whole middle of mm-hmm. like the blue collar middle. Right. Who, who's really working hard to try and improve and develop and create infrastructure who are dealing with all of the problems that, to be honest, the United States has already dealt with.
1: Yeah. And so in, in, in doing the, some of the reading, what's interesting is, is, for the most part, when America was you know, founded right, quote and, unquote. And, and, and moving westward, it, we, we have this idea that we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. We really didn't have a global bank or countries willing to float big, fat loans. We built... The railroad, and we took advantage of, of migrant labor and and pretty much anyone who was willing to work that hard. And now you've got developing countries like South America, where uh, China, Russia, the Middle East, America, Canada—they're all calling, saying, "Hey, what if we invest half a billion or you know half a trillion dollars into your country? Can we get some access to your resources?" And of course they're saying, "Well, of course you can. Come come on down." But now you're looking at indigenous people who are beholden to uh, uh, foreign investors.
0: Right. And I think that South America has done a really good job of holding on to local culture.
1: Yeah, culture as, for sure. As,
0: as, as, as much as you possibly can, where in, in a lot of other countries, the United States especially, you know, one could argue that the first thing you got to do is get rid of all that mm-hmm. if you want to be successful. Mm-hmm. We don't have time for that. We got time for money, yeah. and we got time for business, and either stay or get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're not really valuing those those rich histories, mm-hmm. you know, where we kind of and historically we did. We brushed aside the Native Americans, mm-hmm. we brushed aside the bison, we brushed aside everything that made Ameri- that was America prior to us coming. Right. Where in South America, I think that what they're trying to do is, you know, keep the seesaw going. Mm-hmm. of like, hey, we really want to develop. Hey, we're starting to get overpopulated. Hey, we need more infrastructure. But we also can't tear that down. That church is 700 years old. Right. But we also can't do this because there's a tribe living over there. But we also can't do this because it's, an, it's a historical site. Yeah. Y- you have all of these things that you have the old versus the new, where what we did is we built the new from nothing. Right. And, that, and that's a hard shift and a hard thing to decide what it is that you want to do.
1: Well, and so when you go back and you look at, at, at the, what's the historical term for us coming across the continent? Westward?
0: Westward expansion. Ex- westward
1: expansion. Is, is that, lazy, wait, manifest destiny? Yeah, all that same. Okay, all the same fair. stuff. Yeah. But, you know, uh, uh, the, the indigenous people of North America were migratory. So they picked up their stuff and they moved. And they didn't build temples. And they didn't build massive irrigation structures because they didn't have to. Really, we've talked about this. North America is the absolute geographic the honey jackpot. Hole. Yeah, it's just it's it's awesome. South America, on the other hand, you t- you look at the Aztecs and the Incas and the Olmecs and, and some of these other cultures, and they and they've got very rich sort of you know mystical uh, uh, histories. And they said, hey, uh, we're going to find a place to live and we're going to make it work. And they built temples and they built irrigation and they built out of the mountain these structures, and then. They wanted to protect it. And that's course, their home now. It's their home. They, they own it.
0: They are, they are much more connected to the spot mm-hmm. than the
1: ideas. Right. And the, and the indigenous Americans were connected to a massive swath of land. They just didn't build permanent structures. right? And so, and again, I, I don't know who I'm going to offend when I say this, but Whitey. Sure. <laughs> when Whitey rolls up and doesn't see a permanent structure, they're thinking... This must be mine. It's free. <laughs> I'm gonna plant a flag. No, right, no one's I'm here. I'm gonna kill me some buffalo and, right. and, and barbecue. Uh, and so when you're looking at South America, uh, uh, they really these these historical cultures 1200, 13, 1400 uh, AD or is is that appropriate? AD BCE. You're the geography guy. What's we... AD is good. AD is fine. We're okay. Okay. I think good. we're gonna be. I don't think we're gonna get canceled. Well, I hope not. Yeah. Okay. No offense. Right. To you BCE people out there. <laughs> um. I mean, they carved that out of the mountain, um, and it is a, when, when you look at the, 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 the natural, so number one, the, the, the biological resources of South America is phenomenal. I don't know if you know this, but um, one, one of the things that made uh, the western portion of South America so successful was due to the, the mountainous regions and the seabirds, they had gigatons of bird poop that accumulated over years in Peru and Chile.
0: What are you using that for? Fertilizer. It's, it's just—it's it, fertilizing itself no, in, no, no. in you, the soil, no, or it, you,
1: you harvest it? It's fertilizer. It, 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 is, it is— Or you mine it. What do you do? You, you, do, mine, it? you mine it. There's hundreds and hundreds of years of guano, yeah. bat poop, bird poop, and uh, the world's expanding, right, in the in the 1700s, 1800s. And so there are these massive <laughs> bird, bat poop mining towns in Peru and parts of Chile, and there are wars. I mean— You've got, I mean, it's a resource. It is. And you've got Amsterdam and Portugal, and you've got these people fighting out off, off the coast of, of Peru because they need fertilizer. Um, and then what's crazy is due to the technology of World War I, the Germans actually came up with a way to build artificial fertilizer, ammonium nitrate. And it completely decimated the poop industry of Peru. And it just becomes nothing. Yeah. So so 1941, 1942, boom. World War One, World War II? One. Oh no! What's one? 14 to 17. Yes.
0: Yeah, 14 so, to 18. Yeah. So a- it
1: was after World War One. Okay.
0: So post World War One. Yeah. That's interesting. So the the resources that they do have, like if if you were to peel back the political globe mm-hmm. and just remove all of the boundaries, and you're able to kind of look the band aids off, and you're able to look deep into South America,
1: what are you gonna find there? Everything you want. Gold? Uh, gold. Uh, and, and, and that's the easy stuff, right? The gold, the silver, the copper, the lead. That's the surface level stuff, right? Yeah. That's what everybody's kind of. Well, and that's the stuff that everybody cared about up until 1960. Yeah. And now we're looking at palladium, cadmium, cobalt. Uh, uh, um, you can't just make up words on the podcast. Uh, I,
0: lithium. Oh, my God. Batteries. Ba- ba- batteries. Thank you. Energizers.
1: You, I wish you guys could have seen his face, because when I, when I speak science, he kind of glazes over. But
0: I got excited when I knew one.
1: <laughs> Bolivia is, like, right now, one of the world's biggest lithium mines right now.
0: I have to imagine that's got to be pretty tough to mine.
1: It is, but can, can, so... I mean, when I you, don't think about Bolivia. When you think of Bolivia, you think of indigenous...
0: Yeah, and revolution, and Bolivar, and... Yeah, it's kind of
1: slow pace, right? Yeah. So you've got these guys, manual labor, digging out salt by hand by hand, in these swampy, salty, sandy-looking pits. And you got these big old piles of what looks like salt or sand, you and I. And then somebody else, much like our, our cacao discussion, some guy swoops by, scoops up these piles of salt, runs them to a, to a refinery, refines out the lithium, and it goes to your smartphone, your smartwatch, your laptop— all of your charging, and here I am thinking you've got this hardworking guy breaking his back, lucky enough to live in a land that now has this raw resource, shipping it across the country so that I can get a, 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 an iPhone whatever. What are they, 12s now? 11s, whatever. 12s, yeah. Whatever. 12, yeah. It,
0: it, but he has no connection to that.
1: I don't believe it. Very does.
0: similar to the cacao, right? Exactly. Where there is this, this huge sort of trail of changing hands. Mm-hmm. To where it ends up, and all that we know is that pennies on the dollar are being exchanged for what's happening. Right. And I, I wouldn't imagine that lithium is just readily available everywhere. No. So it's a, it's a limited resource. Mm-hmm. We're using it probably more now than ever, mm-hmm. I would imagine, with electric vehicles and all the different things that are happening. I don't know if those are lithium or what they are. but
1: Yeah, and we, we used to use it for schizophrenia. Little, little lithium like a little small dose little little dose kind of cleared your head yeah, yeah. Do it. it was mendic- yeah but now um, it, now it's the batteries
0: yeah and i i just feel like you know the if they only knew what they have mm-hmm. and how if they just again like Ghana just said uh no no <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing that anymore <laughs> like what what amount of change the the changing of events that would take place would be incredible right so lithium one i didn't think of uh oil reserves they do. Venezuela. Venezuela's huge. It has some of the largest o- known oil reserves in the world. Right. But you don't typically think of Venezuela. Well, we always go Saudi Arabia in those areas in the Middle East, and we think oil because, we, one, we think you know war for oil and mm-hmm. all of those. But it's, it's about
1: what you can do with it. How can you extract it? Well, I, I believe, and I, I don't have the map up right now, but I don't know if moving oil out of Venezuela— is convenient.
0: Geographically?
1: Yeah, so the, the pipe. And then politically.
0: Politically, it is not convenient. Yeah, n- Nothing
1: no, in Venezuela is convenient politically. Nobody. So listen, if Groupon had a $25 all expense paid week long trip to Venezuela, $25. Would you take it? I think I'm out. <laughs> I think
0: I, I, th- I think I'm out. And you know, it brings up a good point. Like that is what has killed South America for so long.
1: The instability. Is the
0: instability of the political establishment to where we, I, you know, it takes a long time to get policy done, mm-hmm. especially policy that's worthwhile. These are not band aids over bullet wounds. If if, mm-hmm. if you're trying to unite, and again, it has a lot to do with the deunification of the entire continent you have to speak to the countries that are next to you you have to have good relationships this is right. how we've gotten it to work this is how the, the areas that have been successful have gotten this to work we're not the same we may not love you mm-hmm. we like ourselves more but we need to work together and when you have constant civil war you have constant revolution almost a culture of revolution well, i was going to ask
1: you because th- this this would tie more into the social science of things. What drives that primarily in South America? It's, it's a, it has
0: a lot to do with the rich versus the poor. Okay. It's a huge deal. The idea of the elites. And 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 that's existed since the Spanish and Portuguese got there. And is it is it the aristocracy? Is yeah, it, is it, it's royalty. It's, so, it's sort of old okay. school, new school. Got it. Like I should be in charge because of this, this, and this. Okay. And you have these groups who never feel like they are known, who never feel like they have value. Mm-hmm. And then you have someone who comes along at the right time. I mean, insert your favorite revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, here or you know even Europe, wherever you want to do. It's the same. It's the same strategy. Mm-hmm. You, you find a group who needs an answer. You provide them with a, with a blame that is not themselves. You provide them with an opportunity, and then you capitalize. And you just yeah. keep doing that over and over and over again until it is your group that's on top. But as soon right. as your group goes to the top, another group's trying to knock you off. So all the policy you're putting in place never gets legs. Any mm-hmm. infrastructure project, any amount of money for taxes that you put aside, it all just is constantly shifting. So they were never
1: able to have a steady ground to stand on. So this is interesting you would say that because um, I, I try to be careful with the stuff that I read, and I don't want the, the, the content that you and I share to be a marrow-centric where, hey, if people would just act more like Western culture, we could solve your problems. Correct. But doing some research... Um, somebody made a comment that when the Spanish and Portuguese mo- came in and tried to colonize South America, uh, they were really kind of in a, a smash-and-grab sort of a, a scenario. The, the, the terrain was too difficult. The mountains were too steep. The rainforests were too crazy. The indigenous people were fighting too much. They saw gold. They saw mineral resources. They got in and they got out. They did not create infrastructure. And what little infrastructure they created, the indigenous people had no use for it. When- it was,
0: it was usually, normally religious in nature. They're creating yeah.
1: churches. Right, right. But, but a lot of folks would say that the church—obviously, You know, obviously people have their, their, their faith, but a lot of times the, the religion was used to subdue. Yeah, the indigenous people, and almost to enslaved. make them feel
0: less than, yeah. put them to work for the mm-hmm. church. But it, you're right; it, it wasn't the idea that we're going to be. This is going to be the new us. Mm-hmm.
1: We're going to be here now. But with the English and the French rolling in, they realized that if you're going to extract resources from America, you're going to have to drop some roots. And. Some infrastructure. You're going to have to divert some some canals. You're going to have to grow some crops. And folks started moving further and further inland. And once again, back again, for those of you who have listened before, I love Jared Diamond, the the Guns, Germs, and Steel's. But these folks dropped roots, roots, and now you're protective of of your land, your resources, that sort of thing. Where the Spanish and the Portuguese, once they they got theirs, uh, they were willing to just bail.
0: Yeah, I think it I think it was more so the the quantity versus the quality type thing too. Yeah. Like you you get there, you it's pretty clear what's available. You see what's there. You're not interested in 5 10 years what you can get from it. You're not trying to establish crops. You you don't you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. You are trying to be the first. And you got to remember too like the English and French have this huge reputation of being amazing on the ocean. Mm. And really good at what they do. So it's not like, you know, you already feel like you have the upper hand. You are, you are trying to get to as many spots. You want to be the first one to hit the pinata.
1: Mm-hmm. If,
0: if the French and English have already gotten there, they, you're going to end up with the, with the scraps. Right. And so they're trying to find an area that they can capitalize on where they feel like they have the advantage. And you're right. It's, it's very much in and out. These people are no use for us right versus the idea of what happens when we interact mm-hmm. what happens if we make life here and that's why you get these colonies that last for a pretty long time under f- under france and england mm-hmm. and why they've left their mark behind right now you could argue that south america central america they left their language for sure and they
1: left their religion, their religion yeah
0: hugely but the things that you're remembered for, the things that, that we look at as these historical buildings and these places that you have to go see and these tourist attract, you know, quote-unquote attractions, they're not so much based on the Europeans that were there. No. They're based on the indigenous
1: people that were there. Which is crazy because th- the temple pyramid worship—if you can peel back the jungle, the amount of pyramid-like structures— that the Incas and the Mayans and the Olmecs, and you see it throughout South America. Uh, and these were, these are people that maybe the, what do you wanna, the nobles would have referred to as savages, and yet they had the ability to build structures 500 years later are still standing that have been neglected and weathered by, uh, by, the, by, by the jungle. And yet they had the ability to build these things.
0: And Yeah, and for them to last. Yes,
1: similar to to, to what Egypt did with the pyramids.
0: Right, because in the United States, what are we looking at here?
1: (laughs) Uh, I I mean, honestly, like Uh, it's super sad. Well, uh, again, I don't think the the, the indigenous folks that that lived here prior to uh, Whitey showing up, they were nomadic. I mean, we have some sort of—
0: Remnants behind New Mexico, the cliff dwellings, yeah, areas in Arizona, a little bit, and a couple more places. I I guess maybe it's apples to oranges, but that might also just be me trying to like belittle the travesty that took
1: place, where we just destroyed and burned everything that wasn't ours. Right, And, and you know we've got some of those crazy stories about like human sacrifice and. Ripping beating hearts out of people's chests yeah. in south America, and i don't I don't know if that was something that some uh, traveler th- thinks they thought that maybe somebody did or not. Um, you know, how easy is it to demonize a culture you don't know if you can sell them as savages?
0: Well, that's the goal yeah, then that, now you can, that makes us colonizing you for the sake of saving your soul, mm-hmm. sound like a really good idea.
1: Oh, and we're going to take your stuff.
0: But we're saving <laughs> your soul first. Right. So you're welcome. You owe us. And now we're taking it. <laughs> yeah, South America is is probably one of those areas that um, does not get enough attention. When you really look at the Western Hemisphere, in just my experience from what I've found um, with my students, is that they, they know Mexico. Mm-hmm. They know... Um, Cuba, mm-hmm. they know Panama because of the canal. Right. And then they know Brazil, sheerly for the size. Which and, is... and, and maybe Chile because of the shape. Okay. And, and, and that's it. And that's as far as it goes. Now, again, the way that we've structured our education system is that you don't know about that. Because guess what? That's not us.
1: The, and, and yeah, there's, there's no. The, the quote
0: unquote us, right? The, the European, you know, realistically, mm-hmm. the English. That those are not our things. I right. don't want to tell you stories about that team. That's right. not our team.
1: Unless focus course, on our team. Unless, of course, we stole tea and silk from China or coffee from the Middle East or art from Greece. We're, we're willing to tell you about the the the, the artifacts we liberated yeah, <laughs> from that we, another culture. And then made better, right? Right.
0: Because that's just what we do according to history books. But, yeah, we focus on our stuff. We'll, we'll teach you— a version of United States, California history
1: mm-hmm. four times before we ever talk about anywhere else. Now, so when a lot of people, when you ask somebody, what do you know about South America? And I think Brazil and, and, and the Amazon rainforest would be one. Uh, Drugs. Ugh, isn't that terrible? It's terrible. But and and, and, and the corruption and, and there yeah. are some there's again back to that smash and grab concept of of Spain and, and Portugal is uh, it's just perpetuated. Somebody came in, roughed us up, and took our stuff. And that's what they know. So the next guy said, Well now it's my turn to rough right. you up and, and all take that your I've stuff. ever seen. And is, it's this per- and, and again, I don't mean to to to, to oversimplify it or no, overly, overly American fight or whatever. Uh, but the other thing about South America, which you might have a little bit more to say about than I can, is some of their sporting events.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're talking about an area of the world primarily that is in the developing status who doesn't have rich, huge infrastructure mm-hmm. and where soccer is king. Right. And, and it's because, right, it, it's, it's not a global bes- a global sport because people like it. It's people like it because it's the only sport that globally can be played.
1: That's what I... And I didn't realize that initially uh, because it it's a it's a common commoner's sport.
0: It's the most simple. Right. And it's what kids can do in narrow streets. And, oh. and you know what I mean? Like, it's already built in. You don't even need a ball. Most of the people around the world are not even playing with soccer balls. You're joking. No, they're playing with whatever it is that will roll. I mean, I've seen games and, and you know people around the world that are playing with trash. I didn't know that. That just tape up trash.
1: You know, I did see that where uh, uh, someone blew up a balloon and they had a variety of layers of string or twine or something like that until they actually built a soccer ball.
0: Yeah, you don't even need a soccer ball. You just need something that will roll. It, have to be, it doesn't have to be a circle. I, I mean, I've seen it in all shapes and forms. Uh-huh. And when you're a kid, you don't really care.
1: You're just playing You're just We're having just a playing. good time.
0: And it's the only thing that you can do. And it's it's something that is universally understood in all of the countries Mm -hmm. from the rich to the poor it's not one of those sports that has this idea of um entitlement to it you know kind of how golf feels where if you're a golfer you have to belong to a certain status right it doesn't appeal to everyone
1: unless you're billy madison
0: unless you're billy madison (laughs) No, Happy Gilmore. Happy Billy Gilmore. Gilmore. Yeah, they're, they're uh, but when you're at soccer, your, your level of development and income does not change how you feel about the game. There is not mm-hmm. a status that's involved with, like, oh, that's the country
1: club sports. And would you say, though, that, and again, I'm not a football guy, but the way us Americans look at s- baseball or uh, uh, football, American football, is soccer perceived through the continent of South America? Absolutely, as a as a not a national sport, but a continental sport.
0: Yeah, it's the sport.
1: And is it? Uh, uh, I know that in years ago in Europe there were some like gang <laughs> hooligans, or I don't know what they were called. But no, there No, was...
0: those the, the rivalries in South America are extremely violent. But again, these people know violence as an answer, mm. a, as a way to get their opinion. Okay. There are fights. There are deaths in the parking lot. There have been referees that have been killed based on decisions that they made during a soccer game. Are you kidding? No. There are, there are referees that are put on, that are put in almost witness protection after huge games where you call for one team and not the other. And this, and this makes sense. And they won't go to jail.
1: That's, I, so, and a lot of times you and I talk prior to the, to the podcast, and this is one of those things that you and I did not talk about, and I, it blows me away. I mean, I can't imagine a bunch of fantasy football guys Going at it. And law enforcement saying, well, I get it. It's fantasy football.
0: Right. It's, it's, it's a little bit different, but it's, it's all you have. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially in these developing countries, there's not a lot to lean on. Mm-hmm. But you always have football. And the richest of government officials mm-hmm. to the poorest of manual labor mm-hmm. on a Sunday are sharing the same love for the same team.
1: So, could you make a South American version of Field of Dreams? With Kevin Costner and Darth Vader, and all Kevin Costner has to do is build a soccer field and they will come.
0: Absolutely. Totally. And and it happens. Just
1: clear out a little bit of the rainforest and they will come. Well, let's not do the
0: rainforest. Uh, But let's let's do a different area. (laughs) But there are yeah, there are fields, and and there's I mean, there's fields in the middle of trash dumps. There's fields in the in the middle of streets. There's fields on the beaches. There's fields everywhere. I
1: saw a field built on a raft. Yeah, in the middle of the ocean. No, I mean, in middle of a cove, I guess.
0: Yeah, floating fields.
1: You've seen it. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm the guy who's going to educate you, and you always surprise me.
0: Well, when it comes to soccer, it's pretty hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there there's a lot of things to talk about when it comes to South America, mm-hmm. and I'm I get amped up and excited about it because it's an area that we don't talk about that much.
1: One, well, um, I remember years ago, I didn't really care to learn anything new, and now I'm kind of bored with the things I already know. And I like getting more informed. I like understanding uh, uh, or at least better understanding why things work out the way they do. It's one of the reasons we cho- chose to do this, this podcast with, with the common counterpart, that no matter how uh, opposing or uh, uh, diverse we look, we all have a, a, a common element that connects us as humans, as parents, as siblings, as employees, as employers, sports fans. Uh, I'm not one, but you are.
0: Right. They just cross boundaries. Mm -hmm. They know know no political line. Right. Which I think is so great. And I mean, I think that, you know, for for South America, it's it's a little bit unfair to just touch on it and then go. Mm -hmm. And so um, next week, we're going to come back to South America because there is a lot of misconceptions about areas in South America.
1: And people might be wondering, didn't we avoid a big portion of South America.
0: Yes, and that was intentional. So next week on The Common Counterpart, we are going to be addressing all things the rainforest, a very misunderstood, a very oversimplified area of Mm -hmm. the world that is oftentimes given the scapegoat title um, and is used as the poster child for environmentalism.
1: Yes. Uh And
0: to do that, to really intro that, we're going to go with our Wisdom of the Week.
1: Nice transition, I man. I know. What do we got? Wisdom of the Week. All right. So uh, just so you guys, I'm, I'm going to give us credit where credit's due. Uh, a lot of this wisdom comes out of, out of my buddy uh, Mark's uh, uh, research and his brain. Uh, but written by the American researcher E.O. Wilson, destroying the rainforest for economic gain is like burning a Renaissance painting to cook a meal. Uh, very short-sighted. Very. And, and a complete uh, uh, disregard for history, culture, relevance, uh, intrinsic value. I'm so excited to talk about it. Me too. I think we've got, we got some good stuff lined up. Yeah.
0: Next week's going to be great. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, if you are liking what you're hearing, make sure that you... Give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, For images that sort of relate to every episode that we put out, you can follow us on Instagram at The Common Counterpart. And we will see you guys next week.
1: Indeed. See you guys.